The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent, including Olas Media. Olas Media. Olas Media presents Nation State of Play. Welcome to the Nation State of Play podcast. I'm your host, Brian Miller. On each episode, we explore the political stories that are driving public policy in California. We explore these stories with political insiders, business leaders, journalists, and policymakers themselves to get below the surface of the headlines and show you the true forces shaping our nation state. Thanks for listening today. Uh, we have a great guest who's launching a new podcast. Stefan Walker is with us, and the podcast is called Reason 55. I uh, wanted to have Stefan on because he's really focused on this podcast about on the intersection of behavioral health and experiences, systems, and policies that impact lives across our state and across our country. He's got a lot of great experience himself in this topic, which we're going to talk about. But Stefan, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Hey, it, it's a pleasure to be back, Brian. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I think I think we actually did have you many months ago talk, talking about uh, t- talking about prison reform issues. So uh, nice to have you on talking about your own show. So let's start with the name. Uh, where does Reason 55 come from? Wow. Um, <laughs> how much time do we have, Brian? <laughs> However much you want. It's a podcast. <laughs> we, 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 our producer's time is, is oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we can take it however much we want. It, it boils down to this, this recognition that our, all of life is, it, it helps us form opinions about things and the motives that we engage behind things. And, and, in my thinking and in my experience, the more we understand the reason behind what a person does or engages or what prompts them, the better we can come to an understanding. We may not ever nat- nat- you know, uniformly agree, but it helps to inform that understanding. So I set out in in all of my experience uh helped me to to connect with people engage with people both in the legislative arena public affairs corrections uh child advocacy uh correctional officer advocacy is getting to the reason why everyone engaged all the stakeholders are moving in this arena and then we find common ground, we can get past, you know, we can table the things that we disagree upon. But when we find that common reason, then it helps to create a smoother pathway for us to accomplish some common good. So that's the reason part. And 55 is the number of hope, of optimism, of believing that there can be a balance. So reason 55 is bringing an intersection of diverse interests, diverse people, unique and invisible actors in to allow them to share their experience, their life, and for us to sit and engage in some conversation. It's really fascinating. Let, let me try to 
see if I can figure out how to apply this concept for, with, a, with a practical application, because I really struggle with this in the political arena these days about whether you actually can reason across the aisle. And I don't want to sound too partisan here, but let me, let me just give an example. I, I heard a Republican senator say yesterday in a TV clip that no one at the January 6th insurrection was armed. Just said that. Now that's there's plenty of footage of that happening. whose <laughs> lives were lost because that happened. Yeah. Those same Republican senators were running for their lives because there were armed people in there. How do you reason with somebody who, I don't, I don't know if he thinks that or not, I can't get in his head, but he's at least saying that. So, so how do I reason with somebody like that? You know, I, I, I think that's a really good question. And that is part of why there needs to be a more in-depth conversation beyond, let's, let's say, we don't agree on whether someone was armed or unarmed. But what we can sit down and have a conversation about is what motivated people and what are the reasons that we have different perspectives about this and how do we figure out, how do we find comfort? How do we dialogue enough? Because it takes conversation. And that's that, that's the beautiful thing about this, Brian, is that we can't avoid that central disagreement. But the more we unconfrontationally talk about it, we inevitably get to a route that we can all begin to see our common good, our common interest, our common sense of safety and well-being and and you know everything our constitution assures us of you know yeah, liberty exactly. and the pursuit of happiness now we all have different perceptions about that but the only way we can get to why i believe you know walking around with a unconcealed weapon is a sense of safety to me versus someone else which I don't, but <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Um, versus someone who adamantly disagrees with that, we can get to the issue of safety. We can sit down and have a conversation about what that means to each of us, and and the only way you can do that is to sit down and talk about it. And all the yelling and bickering and, you know, showmanship and performative acting, you know, that's counterintuitive to community, to sitting down and living together and understanding the dynamics that help us not just coexist, but, but thrive together. So I think that's the challenge of Reason 55 is, is getting those interests and opinions together to sit down and, and just let's talk through this. And so is your, is your plan with the show to maybe do some examples of that or get some people who, who vigorously disagree on things and, and actually show that in action? At some point, yes. We're beginning with bringing, as I talked about earlier, those invisible actors that influence our and have influenced and are actively influencing our society for that 55 that evolution of hope, that sense that there can be something better, bringing those individuals in and just talking to them about why they're doing 
number one, what they're doing, number two, why they're doing it, and how they believe that together with more people, more resources, uh, more understanding, that this can be better for everyone. Uh, and then as as we go, I and I have a couple of people specifically in mind for that first, you know. <laughs> Debate, if you will. Yeah, example. that first divergent yeah. opinion conversation, because I believe they're both brilliant people. I believe they're diametrically opposed in in politically, but they ultimately want the same thing. Because between the three of us at different times, we've had these conversations to get down to that root issue. And I walked away, they walked away, and we, like I said, we didn't agree necessarily on either side of it because they were both kind of not where I am, right. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I think we all of us, we all three of us, walked away with a better understanding of where the other person, where they was coming from. Like actually, yeah. understand. Yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting time we're doing this. I read an article yesterday that I've been spinning over in my head for the last twenty four hours. Um, it, it's by a guy named James Clear who wrote a book called Atomic Habits. He's a great author. I certainly commend anybody the book who hasn't read it. Um, and he wrote this article, I think it was entitled something like, Why Facts Don't Change Our Mind. And, and his point was that evolutionarily, we are designed to need to be accepted by our tribe. In fact, you know, in prehistoric times, if your tribe abandoned you, you were very likely to die. Evolution designed us in a way where like the approval of the tribe was not just a matter of social acceptance, it was a matter of survival. Absolutely. And we're still fundamentally have that genetic makeup. And so by and large, the opinions is him, him talking, although it rings really true to me, like by and large, the opinions we hold are the opinions of our modern day tribes, or the opinions of our family or friends, you know, the, you know, our scene, right? The people who we hang out with on Twitter. And therefore, when we are confronted with a fact, like <laughs> there was armed people at the January 6th interaction, here's yeah. video of it. It doesn't, we're actually not willing to say, even if we obviously like recognize, yes, that happened. We're not willing to say that it happened because we might get kicked out of our tribe for doing yeah. that. Right. Like, yeah. and, and that social approval is so important. And so, and so his point is like, if you, if you actually want to change people's minds, you have to become their friends. That's actually similar. And there's a lot of similar to what you're saying. Like you have to essentially like, change the definition of their tribe um, and make it okay for them to see your point of view. So I've, that's, that's a lot of blathering, but what's, what's your take generally? on? on I, I wholeheartedly agree. Look, Brian, <laughs> I, 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 I am a retired youth correctional officer. I've spent the last decade and a half looking at the impact of the correctional environment on correctional officers and that cognitive dissonance that develops as a result of being in an environment that is socially, politically, and that's changing. But on both fronts, it's changing a little bit. But the genesis of it was punishment. And it, it, it still exists. And that reality that you're engaging in an occupation that is hurting people. It's an environment. And it's, look, it's my job. I did it. 
I was employed by the state for 35 years as a youth correctional officer. There are things that you do in there that out of exactly what you said, out of the necessity of acceptance within the tribe, that as an individual doesn't jive with who you are. Right, right. And and unfortunately, it, it create this tension and officers will <laughs> will grade against this concept that it creates, it generates trauma. But I think when you look at the rising number of suicides, the rising number of divorces, the rising number of substance abuse, of termination, of just walking that. And forgive me for this, Brian, but walking the hell away from the job. Yeah. Because it creates this thing that you can't identify because there's nothing in your life experience prior to corrections of being indoctrinated into this tribe, of being institutionalized and eating that support, that acceptance. Nah, it messes with you. So in the effort of getting officers to the conversation about the necessity or the, the, the I say the mandate of engaging in, in holistic self-care, which is counseling, which is, you know, psychological therapy, behavioral health therapy, it did retreats, getting away from the environment and no, and creating solid relationships with people that don't work in corrections so that you can be restored, renewed, that you can think that you feel that little voice in the back of your head that says, this ain't right, there's something wrong with this, that you don't begin to think that you're crazy and because you have a, a another tribe of right. people saying, yeah, oh, wow, that's yeah, that's that's messed up, man. That's a hard life to live. Yeah. And then that's where I think that what you said is creating that connection, that other community, that other relationship, friendship helps you begin that conversation, if you will. You because you you have to. You you trust me, I tried it cold turkey. it's not gonna work yeah man you it's it's rejection they like you said they facts don't mean jack i showed them the you know all the the uh cardiopulmonary deaths all the uh renal failure uh, all of these diseases that were taking officers lives prematurely showed them the statistics and i end up sitting down with ccpoa end up creating a a model of bringing officers together in a less confrontational, a less threatening social setting to introduce these concepts through their healthcare provider, then through other officers that have licenses. Uh, Because we that's the incredible thing about this occupation. We have Two-thirds of our membership with AA degrees are higher. We have people with PhDs. And so we have a lot of clinical social worker, people with their life clinical social work license that came in as officers and sat and talked with our men and women. And slowly we began this, you know, changing that narrative. 
and making it okay. I'm well, sorry, I'm, I'm blathering on, man. No, I, I, I can't wait to listen to more about this. But but before I have let you go, tell us about your first guest. Uh, I think the episode comes out this week. Uh, but yeah, tell us, tell us who's first on the show. Oh, yeah. Jody Lewin, man. Uh, I, she is the president. I believe that her title is president of Mount Tamalpais uh, College, uh, previously known as the San Quentin Prison University Project. And I met Jody through the association at our convention, probably 14, maybe 14 years ago or so. And she's this uh, almost saintly, just personality that is just understanding, that's compassionate, that, but yes, she's this no nonsense hard-nosed teacher, man, for the lack of a better term, I would equate her to a Catholic nun, but I know she's... (laughs) She wouldn't be coming on a podcast if she was a nun, probably. But she is, you know, she's this person that believes that education is a method of helping people find their humanity, uh, reconnect with it, to restore it, to rebuild it, to fortify it. And that that has a value in helping people reform and and transition from what got them to prison to reentering society as a healthier, uh, more holistically prepared individual. And I'll tell you, I sat in a couple classes at one point at San Quentin, and this was yeah, this was probably about seven, eight years ago. Brian, I got to tell you, I felt like I was <laughs> completely out of my environment engaging in these conversations with the professor who was a, I don't know at that time, he was out of uh, one of the universities and was volunteering in the San Quentin Project. But it was a real class. It, it, it was legitimately a real college course. It, it wasn't what I'm used to as a correctional officer, some of the courses that were, you know, the butt in seat kind of thing, checkbox. No, no. So this, this is the real deal. Brilliant. Yeah, very much yeah. so. And she's she's a truly dynamic individual. And I think people will, I hope they walk away informed, enlightened, and encouraged by the authenticity of what she brings and requires from her courses, from her instructors, from all of her staff, as well as from the inmate students, our student inmates, however you want to classify them. It's the real deal. And yeah. Well, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to listening. I have been told that the best place to find the podcast is olasmedia.com, um, but I assume it's going to be wherever people get their podcasts, right? Yeah, I'm I'm still in the works on getting spooled up, but that I'm aware of, it's going to be on all of your regularly accessible podcasts, sources, Apple, Google. I don't know if SoundCloud's one of them or not, but because I, I get all mine from Apple. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it, man, because I have some exciting people lined up and it's a blessing it, it, for me to have met so many interesting and dynamic people and then give people an opportunity to look through this lens that I've had the opportunity to see the world and see the actors and, and people engaged. I'm happy and I, I hope that excitement translates through 
and and people will come and listen and keep coming back because it is going to continuously be this evolution. We say it's an evolution of hope, but it's also going to be an evolution of the show, an evolution of Stefan or Steph B. Excuse <laughs> my my host persona, Steph B. Um, it, it's it's you know the set's going to evolve everything, and right now you see my comic book collection and all my other little some of my other little knickknacks, but all of this is going to grow and change and the substance of what they're going to hear. Hopefully, you know, they'll engage and they'll throw some ideas out at us because we have a list of about, in my head, there's about 30 people, but at the same time, I'm looking for people that people find interesting, that they know that they're doing something valuable for our society. And it doesn't have to be my definition of value. So I'm looking forward to it. I hope everybody will listen. And, and I'll just say this is just a plug for these kind of conversations generally. You know, there's a lot of bad stuff going on with the way we communicate these days, primarily with social media and cable news and the way it fragments everything. And as, um, as I've talked about with the people who produce this show, so I actually think podcasts are one of the really positive bright lights of what's going on. Because at their best, it's a way to listen in on conversations that you would otherwise never get to hear. You know, and those are the podcasts I like the most right here, like really smart people like you, with really interesting guests, like, you know, talking about what you what you know about, what you're passionate about. And I, you know, you don't get to do that anywhere else in media. And you don't get to like, you know, eavesdrop on people at a coffee shop. I suppose you can, but they'll think it's very <laughs> it, man. I've like I said, I've had the opportunity to sit in the room with you know, the, the everyday guy and gal that, you know, working as the saying goes nine to five and, you know, they're taking care of their, their life, their family's life, the dog, the cat. And we've had some dynamic conversations. And then I've also had the opportunity to sit with, he was vice president at the time, but I've had the opportunity to sit with Joe Biden and talk about early childhood education uh, talk with our, our speaker here on multiple issues. I've even had some conversations with the with Gavin Newsom, the governor here, about, you know, the future of work. And so I'm looking forward to the opportunity, as you just said, of allowing people to sit and listen to some of the people that are having these interesting conversations, man. And it's all about, right? And that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's why I think this medium, particularly during COVID, but certainly, you know, moving on before has really, has really caught on. So, uh, well, sign me up. I, I'm going to, I'll make sure I listen on Tuesday and Steph, Stefan or Steph B as, as you want to be called. Anytime you want to come back and, and talk about a specific episode, we'd, we'd love to have you here. So thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. And B, you are more than welcome to come on too, brother. I've had some great conversations with you as well. (laughs) So I think people would be interested in your perspective of exactly what you talked about, the value of podcasting, um, the nation state of play. Well, let's let's do that. I'm also happy to be a guinea pig for one of these experiments on how to disagree with someone because I find myself doing that too much yes. these days. So if you, can, if, you can, if you can help me with that, I will owe you one. For, for deal, sure. brother. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Steph. All right, thank you. We invite you to share story ideas, comments, and questions. Find us at neptuneops.com or on Twitter at, at nationstateofp one 
Again, that's at Nation State of P and then the number one. Follow us and subscribe to listen to all of our episodes as we continue to explore the inside stories driving California policy. Thank you for listening to the Nation State of Play podcast powered by Neptune Ops.